G'day punters. Welcome to the deep dive. This is Pete Anthonis alongside Shane Curlio, Rob Scurry and Jackson Oldham. It has been a big weekend to kick off the Caulfield Cup Week Carnival. Uh, there's plenty more racing action to come. It's bright and early in the morning over here in the West. I can't wait to get back on a plane and get there for Thousand Guineas Day on Wednesday. Otherwise known as Keats Day, Gavin Bedgegood will be there on course. It'll be fantastic. But Rob, I want to get your thoughts. If we start with the most important story over the weekend, the Crimea and bridge attack, staggering, <laughs> amazing footage. I don't think I've seen anything like it in my life. I want to get your take because out of all of us here at the mailbag, you're certainly the most conspiracy theorist, biased. What's your thinking at this early stage? Oh, look, people are coming around to my way of thinking faster than you expect. Um, you know, the Nordstrom attack a week earlier, um, so, and then now this. So we've got Zelensky looking for the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, it's it's a very great concern. Um, I'll also claim, you know, NATO as a um, basically an arms, it is a trade organisation, but it's basically an arms uh, money-washing facility. And, mm. um, you know, if they just stuck to the treaty, we wouldn't be on the brink of uh, nuclear annihilation, which we are at the moment. The worst, it's the worst it's been since the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's That's... Might sound alarming, but that's where we're at. Oh, it's completely accurate. I mean, I wasn't alive for the Cuban Missile Crisis, but studied it during high school and, you know, into early days at uni. And uh, this feels very much like uh, that sort of time and history. It's uh, it's completely mind melting. Uh, Kels, I don't you know, know if you've um, got a take, but yeah, look, uh, this ain't a scene. It's a goddamn arms race. <laughs> um. Some of the footage is is interesting on Twitter, um, particularly the Russian bots that get involved on this. Oh, completely. Um, it's it's like how Twitter is free, <laughs> particularly after the events of the weekend, how it's free is still staggering. I would pay. Um, you know, obviously I don't want to feel like I'd be involved, you know, in a rod or anything like that if I was paying, but certainly you would pay for some of the content that's on there. But um the thing that I enjoyed the best was that um, the Russians claimed that blowing up the bridge was a terrorist attack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's um, let's pray that we get through the Everest before we get nuked, eh, Rob? Yeah, it's always good to see best horses go around and, you know, we're going to get to see the champion nature strip on Saturday. So let's all look forward to that. Yeah, exactly right. I get the feeling that uh, Nature Strip will be going up top odds once again somewhere this week. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Oi, oi. <laughs> but uh, if we get to, to racing, clearly the most important racing story over the weekend was status quo up there at Randwick. Rob, I, don't, I honestly do not know how you've been handling this year. It's been raining nonstop since February. And the, look, uh, if anyone watched the, the ready bet, Victims of the punt previous show with uh, with the great Mark Lamborn joining Mark Roden and Public Enemy. Um, they predicted the track would play in this fashion. Obviously, it was a slightly different rail position, similar conditions previously. I think it was rail seven versus rail eight. But that middle section of the track there at Randwick, say lanes 10 to 15, 16, just an absolute quagmire, especially when it's wet. I'm still pretty impressed that no one tried to go to the outside fence there on Saturday and just give it a ping and see what happened. But no, it didn't happen, which I was very disappointed about. But uh, Rob, when when your worst winning figure of the day is best of Bordeaux, who I still think is a massive query over how this horse has come back, but Ben Mellon's leading at a very slow tempo and the horse is just hacking along in front and still finds a way to just hold its position to the line because nothing can make ground. You know you're in trouble. 100%. It did that very one. Look, were, those winners were, were all very findable. I've missed a trick losing five units on the day, put my hand up. You know, earlier in the year, we, we got, got it right. And, you know, I've just got a it, – it's it's more of a map day than a yard day. It's like no point oh, me, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, what's the, it's, it's hard enough with an umbrella and, you know, trying to type out some yard. What, what, am, what am I doing? Just, just, just send out barrier one and something with speed like – I feel like I really missed a trick with the expat. I, I backed that in the Mona Lisa at Wyong and spat the bit out before the corner, and I thought it was gone that day. And the bet three eighty and and the leader for Patelli in the um, black and yellow colours. Forget what it was. It, it's it's pissed in at eleven dollars, and it was going to lead. So uh, it was it was five from six. And shout out to 
good mate Adrian on track there, who um who had the good price main stage, which sort of led to the last uh, hop and the only leader not to have won on the day. So um, yeah, bad luck, Adrian. Good bet. Good bet. Yeah, basically every single winner on the day was in the first two and running, except Opal Ridge, which was leaders back there in the last race. That was the fastest tempo race. Tempo seemed to be completely irrelevant. Uh, you couldn't win if you weren't in the first two and running and if you weren't inside lanes, basically one to two, one to three in the straight. So it's just a day we put the pen right through it. And yeah, to make... Sorry, mate, I, I'm just lamenting Wollonga Beast in, in that best of Bordeaux race. Yeah. You, could, you could see I was in trouble. You see I was in trouble. Just on that, like, did was it entitled to push for the lead? No, like it jumped to it jumped to lead. Was he entitled to, to go on with it the way the track was playing, Malinga Beast? Well, there's a change of tactics pro, pro, earlier in the day to say that they were going to ride the horse for the sit. So, you know, if they turned around and all of a sudden started leading, it would probably look a little bit frustrating to punters. But, you know, like to put in a change of tactics suggesting that before the race meet has already begun, yeah, you know, I'm always staggered by the change of tactics rule. Just get rid of it. It's a complete waste of time. Let punters, let us think for ourselves mm. um, because otherwise it just creates situations like that. I mean, they would have probably been looking at it pre-race going, well, what do we do now? We're not going to win this race if we don't lead. Yeah. Mm. I know. It was ridiculous. The horse Mate, never, but honestly, ne- never paraded better. Chris Lee's absolutely mm. flying. That's why the units went on. Yeah. And it, it just – was was a sick watch, but, sick, but in all watch. seriousness, though, if if jockeys can go to the stewards and say, "Oh, we've changed our mind how we want to ride this track," why can't a trainer go to the stewards and say, "Hey, this track's playing like completely leader dominant. We we're changing our fucking tactics again." Well, I mean, that tweet during the day to come out suggesting <laughs> that they were going to be avoiding the inside was possibly the most insane thing that I've ever seen. And I yeah. tell you one thing, Peter. Now, actually, I won't tell you. This is purely speculation and only my own personal opinion. Not those of the mailbag or your employers. No, no. Pronouns are in the bio. Um, (laughs) If I was a betting man, I would suggest that someone higher in, in the Racing New South Wales establishment would have told the jockeys what they're doing. There is no fucking way the jockeys would have got together and come up with a pack like that. Yeah. Just stay off the fence. We've got to run the race. It's a premium race day. Get out there and run. Turnover, turnover, turnover. Stay off the fence if you have to. Just amazing, isn't it? It's not. Grade me, all right? Grade me, right? Anyway, they got through their six races, so well done. Yeah, exactly. And look, there's going to be all sorts of uh, mess for the rest of the week. I think uh, I was speaking with oh, Rob just before we started. Yes. Your Silver Eagle's mess. going to be run on Everest Day, uh, which is great because, you know, you need an extra made-up race on a day where you've got a made-up race. Um, the gloaming is going to be run on Wednesday, Rob. Correct. 1,600 metres at Warwick Farm on a, on a heavy 10, I'd suggest. Yeah. And what but, the hell is happening like that's just the debacle on the track. What about what's happened on the off the track? How the hell has a has a New South Wales journalist published an article this morning of Everest Week about the uh, the investigation by Racing New South Wales stewards into jockeys and um, some illegal activity around wagering? Allegedly, uh, allegedly. I, I didn't write the article, Peter. I'm only qu- I'm only quoting the article. I didn't write the, the article. Look, it, there wasn't a great deal of information there in the article. Uh, let's well, be honest. Well, the, the damage was done in the headline, I would have yep. thought. Yeah, And exactly. a photo of Tommy Berry uh, accompanying the article. Yeah. Um, look, it's it's almost... Tommy Berry forced month. to hand over phone in Stewart's Probe. Like, leave Tommy alone. Like, it's because Tommy chose to write in Melbourne this week. doesn't mean you go and write that article about him. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be honest. We're one, we're one month away from Cup Week. Any publicity is good publicity, am I right? Well, like we proved that on the weekend, Peter. You're right yeah. again. All right, just look, like that's... you were right Saturday a hundred times. Fucking oh, oath, man! What a set from you, sir. Didn't I yeah. know it? I'm, I'm still still a bit shitty that Vampire played in win. To be honest, it's always the ones that don't win that that really get you. Um, yeah, yeah. I jo- bet that. As Jono in the chat said, 
you know, you pay something for the staking advice and you pay something else for the yard advice. And Rob, even you sent out Sky Command saying at top leads. And uh, a few of the boys said, oh, well, that was enough. <laughs> yeah, that did me. And I, and I said expat gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you do your own form, if you've got half a brain, you, there's more than one way of skinning a cat and winning at this game. There's also many more than one way of losing as well. Hmm. Uh, should we yeah, talk like, about uh, like, like not following up coat after a Tommy oh, slipped oh. us the week before? Honestly, <laughs> the like, only... The only what horse that doesn't parade professionally in the whole day. It just it jig jogs around and gets sweaty, but it, that's it. But what I, price I, was it? What was its true price after that? I think I got it down to about a dollar forty, and then I stopped and I thought, no, come on, I mean, yeah. Even if the track was, plays horrendously on pace, what what price are we talking? So, I thought a dollar eighty was overs just off the pure. Yeah, figures the data. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, it 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 might be like you know it should have been racing in the Caulfield Guineas that horse. It's one of the best three-year-olds that is taking on midway field, and I'm fucking missed it. I'm it so certainly doesn't have a ceiling, and uh, it not placing at its previous start has cost me nine units. It not winning at its previous start has cost me the opportunity to lay in secret for fifty units, and um, to see it winning there on Saturday on a day where I had. You know, I think like a lot of people, I wish I win in, in doubles and trebles. You know, I had um, Pulele and Exalted yeah, Fire, yeah, which yeah. just looked like a complete moral on the data at Morfordville and won like it. Didn't it was. You know, that had I wish I win going for 20 units and then to turn around and find, you know, old mate Dicko fucking rubbing, <laughs> rubbing my face in it. When he first started his own bookmaking crusade, he used to sort of like, you know, get on and fucking cheer home things that were running and winning and at Belmont. I said, mate, don't death ride me. Yeah, don't that death ride my off. results because yeah. you know, like it's it's hard enough backing one winner, and all of a sudden he's taking the the soft option. He couldn't back his own winners himself. He's turned around and become a bookmaker where he's got he only has to find you know one winner out of. Well, he doesn't even have to find winners anymore. He just has to find no. everyone else who doesn't win. Like it's exactly 95% yeah. of people don't win, Peter. No, oh, exactly. Soft option. Anyway, but he's entitled to celebrate however he wants because you know what? He's put his balls on the line in the first place. He's given up his former career, his former occupation, which takes a lot of guts to go into a world like racing to try and make it as a professional punter and then to try and make it as a bookmaker. He can celebrate however he wants. As can Peter, anyone else. <laughs> yeah, and look. And he probably deserved a celebration because we've quickly to, we're quick oh, to forget we how many winners he has laid. Yeah, <laughs> it's unreal, isn't it? On Twitter since like he's been here, like Jackson, um, you could probably reel them off the top of your head because I think you were on a few of them. Um, yeah, but then, he, then then one loses and it's a complete, you know, he was he was top odds. Um, Don't forget the other three that won. He was top that. odds, uh, Cool and Gatta, from Barrier One, the only leader on a leader dynamite track, and he was top odds, and it won. He was top odds. What was the the, the next one on the next feature race day? He was top odds. Um, Smoking Romans. Smoking Romans. He was top odds. Greece at Geelong, which was a complete and utter moral, and it's one by twelve. Snap dancer. He was top on snap dance in the Memsey. The only winner he's backed has been call sign Mav. Like, how did he find that in hindsight? Like, I mean, honestly, like he's. Uh, he's he would have made up some bullshit SP profile story and got lucky. Um, and so, to tell you what, he got lucky Saturday too because, Doc, all this, um, all these blow-ups should be directed fairly and squarely at the vet that passed it fit to run. So complete disaster. We were talking about before the race and like I was looking down, I was doing notes there. We've just had the previous race at Ascot. I'm looking, you know, they've got the biggest screen in the Southern Hemisphere. They're just bringing in, uh, for some reason, they were broadcasting all sorts of fashions on the field shit instead of putting on the actual races full day. Anyway, Ascot, that was the only blemish on what was a very good day. Um but I see you say concerning comments from Moody and then suddenly the horse is out of the gate. It's gone from 220 firm on the fair out to about 250, 260. And I've gone, yep. this is complete disaster. What were what were Moody's comments before the race? I didn't hear them. Um, like, basically, he was, this is on, I think I had it on .com. And yep. for some reason, I didn't have it on mute. And <laughs> um, the big fella was um, gasping for air. 
trying to get a few sentences out. Um, basically saying, uh, you know, unproven at the mile, the horse is here to win, but he's going to have to get ridden real ugly to get the job done from the gate, um, you know, and the way the track was playing. And, you know, there was some genuine concerns there of how this horse is going to get it done. And then obviously gets his leg over the gate before the race. Yeah. And look, it's always difficult to tell how much contact is there, but, you know, I'd ask anyone, like probably in human terms, if you're going out to run a 100-metre dash there in high school days, because let's face it, no one on racing Twitter would have gone any th- any further than than high school in terms of their athletic prowess. But uh, you're, you're going there, you're lining up on the blocks, and then suddenly you kick a coffee table. Well, you know, yeah. like what was the coffee table doing there for a start? But never mind that. <laughs> you go and get down on the blocks, you run, you could be a bit stunned. You could have a broken toenail. You could be bleeding. You could have, you know, have a, you could do any sort of damage. You're not sure until after the race and the adrenaline wears off. But uh, I think the only horse I can recall, Rob, I'll drag you in here because you've probably got a much better memory for this sort of thing. But the only horse I can remember winning after being vetted pre-race was uh, former West's best uh, for Uncle Chris uh, come play with me in the Metro when I was filling in for you for Mountain Yard Mail. I think that was Epsom Day three years yep. ago. Again, you proved your class that day, boy, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Big, something there. Come, come into the big smoke and yeah, got, a, got a result, didn't you? Um, little, yeah. little trumpet oh, there. Yeah, well, you deserve it, mate. Um, <laughs> uh, double bath, boys. Um, look, if they get their leg up in the barriers, they usually scratch them. Yep. I, I, I can't remember. I remember I, I backed a horse of uh, Paul Masara called um, May Sarah. He's now soaring a few Craig Lee horses up there. He, 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 um, yeah, he is. He um, wouldn't wear it. They couldn't play him. He ran with without a shoe and he, and he won for me. And uh, it was after Hawthorne got beat by um, Sydney in the grand final and I, 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 I rage bet it and it got up. And, you know, despite feeling very flat about the result because we we're a good thing beat that day, Hawthorne, um, who I can't really talk about with all these fucking rumours about Clark. I'm, I'm sort of just trying to block that out. Um, yeah, that was, yeah. <clears throat> anyway. That was, uh, yeah, my, my Sarah won, um, but I can't think of any more, mate, sorry. So, Jackson, yeah, no, I'll go to you. Oh, sorry, go for go. You know, he goes, I was going to say, obviously, um, uh, like, so I suppose some credit to Jack for wanting to lay the horse. He did say unproven at the mile and had the worst map of all the short price favourites on the day and found it the easiest horse to be against. Well, which is fair enough, but it was a day where there was, pl- obviously, you know, plenty of short favourites here on Caulfield Guineas Day, it's, you know, one of the little tropes. And, you mm. know, you had to look at them and pick them apart and say, well, which ones did you like which ones didn't you like? So, and he also he also uh, said that Zapatea wasn't moral. Yeah. You know, some people liked Animo. Some people liked Golden Mile. Some people liked I Wish I Win. Some people liked Old Flame. Some people liked, you know, like whatever. Who cares? You couldn't be right all the time. So, Jackson, no. if I go to you, um, I was doing the form and – while it was unproven at the mile, it's run third in a New Zealand Group 1 with two very smart horses when it was being trained by Jamie Richards, who is a freak trainer. He's now in Hong Kong. Um, I thought that was more than good enough form in a race devoid of pretty much Group 1 performers. I wasn't yep. too surprised to see the winner being, you know, Lindsay's, you know, one of his fit on speed types, but it's not scales of justice, let's be honest. Yeah, and but yeah, it, it in hindsight, Tuvalu was probably always going to improve. Uh, yep. First up off that heavy track, back back with a very nice map. But yeah, I just thought, um, I wish I win if it, if it kept trending upwards was from the um, umbers. I didn't really take too much of a too much of a line from the um, from its New Zealand form. I just treated it as a bit of a different horse with P Moody. But yeah, obviously a disaster. But no real concern for me. Two twenty out to two fifty late. I laid it for eight hundred thousand. So you know I'm going to buy a new house soon. Clearly, a <laughs> quarter racing Twitter anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you took the top price there that was available. Let's face it. So Dico sent out top price. So he's put it at top price. Minimum bet laws start up as soon as you open your market. So everyone's available to take that price for the minimum. Yep. Which is um, you know two thousand. Uh, he's going to keep doing it throughout the spring. It's not going to be the first favourite. It's not going to be the first horse he takes on. Um, but to suggest that he has absolutely anything to do with those providing mounting yard mail or form full stop anymore 
is categorically wrong. Um, I've had enough disagreements with him over the years, form-wise, life-wise, whatever-wise, that I don't need to listen to his shit anymore. And so when he's taking on horses and you have a different opinion to him, go for it. Like that's as simple as, as it is. I, I'm not sure what well, people are trying to yeah. suggest, like that he, that he knew the horse would be vetted pre-race, that he knew that well, you know, Moody would have well, concerns. Well, are people trying to insinuate that I knew the horse was going to get beat out? Because yeah. if I know a horse <laughs> is 220 in a group one that cannot win, then I won't be doing this. I'll tell you that. I'll be yeah. on, on an island somewhere, retired, not on Twitter. Um, right. I mean, I'd probably be living in the island next audio. You'd be able to catch up for brunch every now and then. Exactly right. But so, you know, what do people want me to do? I've got this horse rated at $1.75 on Thursday. So I'm going to pack it. Um, and he's top odds. So you don't have to bet there if you don't want to bet there. You absolutely bet not. Bet absolutely wherever you want. Yeah, it's, um, Peter's right. Jack's not that good at it anyway. So, um, you know, the same. Uh, and then he was top on, so I'm like, well, his thing's now moral. Yeah, like so. he's completely wrong being top on that horse. Yeah. Um, just got lucky. Um, now, look, and like the same people that were, that had, had a bit of a shot at Twitter, uh, on, a, at a, on Twitter, were the same people that had a shot at Jack over his retirement video. Like it was clearly articulated by that, you know, I think the retirement video is certainly more cheesy than the uh, – than the wrestling move oh, video. Yeah. Um, that was so cringe, that <laughs> retirement video. It, the like production he, of it, the production was, like, quite good. Which quite good, even worse. Yeah. Like As good a quality video as we've produced at the mailbag. Uh, <laughs> messaging was completely cringe. Um, but the message was clear. No longer involved in giving accountable betting advice. Um it's anyway, it's crystal clear. I've done my very best to articulate it via Twitter. Don't know what possessed me to reply to everybody um, yesterday on Twitter. Um, I somehow like was able to contain uh, my normal arrogant self uh, um, to articulate it clearly that um, if we provide losing tips, people will stop purchasing our product. It's pretty. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's it's so mental. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, it like, yeah, doesn't yeah. make any sense. For the captain's picks, I was really celebrating when I wish I win lost because it only cost me twenty units. You know, in a year where I've had that many bad beats, I've gone through one of the worst Belmont seasons in memory for me personally. No, I I, I, I was really happy that I didn't win another twenty units on a day where I've made nineteen at Ascot. Like, honestly, like. Yeah, but also the best part is, Peter, is that the trolls and one in particular hasn't had a chance to tweet anything for the last two and a half weeks because we won every yeah. day for the last two and a half weeks, and we all won in September. Um, and then obviously the first losing week or the first opportunity to you know to try and gain gain some credibility by you know tweeting off the back of what we've built um, because we had a loser. Uh, they jump on us. It's brilliant. And I just want to send a clear message to those guys if they are listening. I'm extremely grateful for your continued promotion of the brand on social media. Please keep it up. Absolutely. And look what we've got to, as you said, now what we have built. Well, Rob Scurry in his in one eye with the closed eyelid still has more ability than any other yard watcher on the planet. And I challenge anyone to actually, yeah, if anyone wants to have a crack against Rob, go for it. Go stand up there in Sydney and try and beat him and outperform over the last 12 months because you could have a 15% head start and you'll still be 50 lengths behind him. Uh, Jackson Oldham has taken over from Jack Dickens because he was already lapping him. Jackson is the <laughs> That's only, true. Jackson goes to more race meets in Victoria than anyone in the media. And so if you want a specific yard report on any horse, he's the best credentialed person who doesn't work for Jelko. <laughs> and, and since I've been back in WA, I've sent a yard report on every single runner at Kalgoorlie and every single runner there on Saturday at Ascot. And although, you know, like I profited X amount on the win units, there was plenty of stuff there. If you wanted to take on favourites, you know, we took a couple on, sneaky chance, ran second last, and I gave it a negative yard report. 
there's numerous trifectas, quinellas, exactors on the day. Absolutely. You know, you can take the betting advice as one part of the product, but the mounting yard mail is why we actually came together yeah. in the first place. The mounting yard mail is what we do best. And look, uh, you know, there'll be plenty of invitations over the years, but I challenge anyone to actually take us on in that component. And um, until proven otherwise, if you want the information, it's there. If you're doing the form and you want a second opinion on how they look like, it's there. If you don't, couldn't give a shit. And yeah. to be honest, I haven't watched Dicko's video. I haven't watched his retirement video either because I don't have social media attached <laughs> anymore. And my life is pretty fucking good as a result uh, because we keep winning. Winning is fun, Peter. Winning is fun. Look, you know, I just want to talk about this stuff sensibly because, like, honestly, some of the shit takes over the last 48 hours, just it is mind-melting. Like, And I think probably the best tweet, I can't remember who who it was, but no wonder 95% of punters lose just going through some of the tweets over the last 48 hours. Whoever said it, like, bang on. Yeah, Yeah. I'll just go back to the... uh, conflict of interest that everybody keeps harping harping on about as if every piece of content in our industry isn't sponsored by sports bet or Ladbrokes or top sport or any of these companies it's, it's paid for one way or another um like, when- like, bar a literal handful maybe less every piece of content is sponsored by a bookmaker so yeah yeah. You've, got, you've got Sky Channel being tab and you've got .com, whoever oh. the big Irish conglomerate is this month. Exactly right. Look, um, yeah, we are pandering to the minority here, which sort of does make me a little bit ill um, because, uh, like, my explanation point on the whole thing was quite simple. Is this, like, people won't buy my stuff if I lose. Um, mm. I, I win, so that's why people buy it and obviously you guys are all in the same boat there. And um, most of the people that are negative towards us on social media won't be a client anyway, so um, exactly. who gives a fuck? Yeah. I'll just um, work hard for the people that support us. And I think they're getting value; they're getting fair value. So I, we'll just, and I don't remember ever anyone saying, you must back this at Baggy Bet or else I'll drive past your house and beat my horn. <laughs> <laughs> I... I I shouldn't have been giving betting advice when I started. I'll say that. They are trolls. I, when I started, I just knew I was really good at mounting yard and I had a skill and, it took, and I drove myself crazy for two years trying to provide accountable betting advice, got myself 150 units in a hole, then said, right, I just need a process to help me sleep at night because I'm <laughs> driving myself crazy. Um, and, I, and I got a process. And I've just been chipping away for two years using my edge. And um, here we are now, like 100 units in front. It's taken me a couple of years, but, you know, you, you can buy the MYM or buy the accountable betting advice on my yep. product. They're two yep. things. That comeback story is probably one of the the most, oh, the, one of the proudest moments I think involved with this company is seeing that turnaround, Rob. Like not to blow too much smoke up your ass, but that is actually incredible. Yes. We'll, uh, it was we'll do a full a full sort of interview one day. We'll sit down in front of a fire with a <laughs> warm glass of red or something, and uh, and we'll we'll do a full interview about that. Well, I would like the red at like a French cellar temperature. Yeah, oh, I think I was going to say warm glass of scotch, and I thought, yeah, yes, you're more a wine man. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, I've, I've had I've also had the finest Japanese whiskies. Yeah. Um, I've, I mean, I went to. Uh, Fuchu a year or two ago that I went to the Kieran distillery there and uh, they, they won't sell it to you, but for like 25 bucks a nip, um, I got to try the, the best Japanese whiskey and whoa, boy, oh boy, wowee. Get ah. there for, for the experience and get to Fuchu because it's amazing. It is the best experience in racing. I've never been to Hong Kong, but Fuchu was 60,000 there. I can't imagine what 100,000 would be like, but 60,000 was amazing because I could just breeze around. And the way they look, they display their horses and they, they walk around the yard, you get 20 minutes and then the jockeys, they run to their mounts just because they don't want to keep the fans waiting. So well, that's a good, nice little segment of um, telling everyone how good we are. I was going to um, say, is anyone still listening? But um, It doesn't matter. Yeah, buying the Mounting Yard Mail. Mounting Yard Mail is like it's a completely unique product and the bets that are sent from the yard are accountable and tracked. They're on the results page. You're basically just getting my stuff for free. Um, 
if you buy the mounting yard mail in the platinum pack and you can just bet my shit out wide and get the boys detailed mounting yard and you know, maybe I should maybe I could just look at doing mine for free one day, Peter, and just like you know, just fuck over all these other blokes that are trying to sell tips. I don't know. Depends how angry I get. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, look, at the end of the day, if uh, RBL or Matty Welsh or whoever else in charge has any issue with what we're doing, I'm sure they'll send us a, a nicely worded uh, letter. But until that day, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and do it well. Um, okay, so let's talk about some horses. Oh. Jackson. Shit, if we, right. if we, yeah, I don't know. about this, yeah. Um, because that's what apparently what the podcast is. So if anyone's still listening, here comes some of the, the good stuff there from Saturday. Look, if uh, if we have a look at the, the Turak without the uh, the narrative surrounding it, um, are you looking at anything going forward out of this race? Fast tempo race, you'd think there would be a few runners that will benefit greatly from what they experienced there on Saturday. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, the, the very obvious is not is Aura of Indices, who was out in those lanes was yep. Lane lane nine at the 400, then lane 17 and in those lanes where you really didn't want to be on the day and came home in some monstrous uh, closing numbers uh, against the race. Went, went straight past the horses like, I wish I win. So law of indices was massive. Uh, Tuvalu was very good, but that's probably it's group one now. I can't, I'd be surprised if it goes to anything else and 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 beats horses like law of indices moving forward okay uh look the Caulfield guineas race eight mile race even tempo oh, for i will the- just say uh, oh. banker's choice was um absolutely enormous i'm not sure what its target is but 2000 meters next start it was huge through the line yeah yeah you can see that just going home with the overall splits there uh yeah, some nice little late sectionals there on the punting form data speaking of punting form there Caulfield guineas Figures, very interesting. Look, it was an even tempo, 0.6 length slow to the 600, so pretty much bang on even. The overall adjusted figure, minus 5.4 on the day for the winner golden mile. It was about the same winning figure when it's adjusted to Gravina in race four. Yep. Um, there was, a, you know, talk, does the horse get a mile? It kind of did but also not really. This is a pretty plain figure overall. And you think horses like Elliptical, Osipenko, Berkeley Square, Tijuana, you know, they're all probably going to be better suited. Maybe not so much Tijuana, but the, certainly the the first three beaten will be much better suited stepping up in distance once again. Yeah, 100%. They, they went out even to slow and they came home even to slow. Golden Mile, we didn't learn if um, if he does run a mile. I had my queries, but I was on him still regardless, just because I thought best, likely best horse, best parade, best map, uh, J-Mac on. And he just kind of, he, J-Mac just got him over the line. Elliptical was good. Glad they haven't paid up for the Cox Plate because it would have been beaten 10 in a Cox Plate. Embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, Austin Penko we had a little bit on as well, just off that um, $4.40 SP against Aft Cabin in the, torrential rain i thought that was a big price and uh it was probably the run of the race um the most interesting thing for me is berkeley square have i missed the memo that now just everybody in the media is calling him barkley square yeah if i missed that i think that was a a joke from uh from one of our interns Lindsay. was uh he was calling him the dog salon uh early days with uh the play on words of Barclay Square, but uh, I, I, I don't actually know. We, we've seen that before with um, with that mayor whose name escapes me. Um, you know the one it raced Maroni, and it's probably retired now because it changed colours to Yulong and then never did a thing again. Tefane, yeah, Tefane. Was it Tefane? Tefane? I don't know. Who oh, knows? Yeah. Who cares? Um, um, sorry, I just just keep going through. Uh, Tijuana paraded significantly worse um, there at Caulfield and at the Valley. Yep. A much worse walk uh, and a lot more agitated. Uh, Amenable was very good. The Fortune Teller is going to be an autumn horse. I thought its run was uh, full of merit and um, and the rest behind those were sort of only plain. Rob, you've seen a few of these before. Osipenko and Golden Mile, the two that I want to ask you about. What are your thoughts in terms of their overall type and quality? 
both. I, I think Osipenko, borderline Panther. Uh, we yep. had a big bet on it the day Kobu bet it at Rose Hill when it just didn't go. You know, it just wasn't there to really exert itself fully. Um, it got close. Um, and we've been on Golden Mile last couple of starts. I thought it it, it ran very, very well in the Rose, in, in the good race, um, the, the Golden Rose. Um, we were on it for the service that day. Um, looked look the winner. I just thought it was a sprint a mile up, you know, a bit yeah. like a Costa Lago uh, back in 1997. Um, who made that? Yeah, my dad's biggest bets. He had a huge bet on a Costa Lago over the mile. They went too fast. Um, they went like, you know, 10 nines, 11s, the first sort of 600, Shane Dye on 10 Pier Lane. Not 10, yeah, it was 10 Pier Lane. And they just, just burned it and Alpha came over the top. So I just thought it I just thought it wouldn't get there. I thought big field, they just go a little bit too quick for it. So I, I actually backed Osipenko. Uh, I love the yard report. And I just thought, you know, um, that was that was the one for me. And that Barkley Square, just the way it, 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 it's gauged, it just looks like a stayer to me. It just sort yeah. of got that low, loping stride. Like, um, I don't think Caulfield's A1 for it either. I think Hamilton yeah. will be more at go. Yeah. yeah. Dar- Darby about that in August, weren't we, boys? Yeah. 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 I, uh, jury's out, Derby trip for me. I like. There's a fair chance it's just a a B grade A minus miler at three. Well, they probably didn't get the best passage. What what in, about as running transit? What about as a type? Um, is it like it looks still a bit immature? It looks kind of tall and a bit yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. tall and still got some growing to do into its frame. Yeah, versus a horse like Gold Mile, who's just like, yeah. Here I am. you know, here I am. I, I I could be, you know, I'll be whisked off to stud before you know it. I am a stud. Yeah. He, he parades, he parades a very, very nice looking horse. Um, yeah, full credit, Sheik. Well done. Yeah, you know, probably, won't, 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 won't won't get any arms if he doesn't sell us any oil. Come on, Sheiky. <laughs> We also probably won't find out uh, how good Golden Mile is because he'll probably be retired before he reaches open grade. But anyway, um, look, the could it, lot, one more Golden Mile. Yeah. I said a while ago, could he go back to the cool? Could he win the Coolmore in two weeks on Derby Day? Why can't he? Down the straight, you need a tall 1,400 metre horse. He could beat Giggy Kick. Why yep. can't they do that? No reason. Um, no reason. No reason. Uh, the Earth Dragon James Cummings is absolutely flying. I was going to ask as a bit of hypothetical, is he the best trainer in Australia? Oh, in the last three weeks, most certainly. Um, mm. Yes. Oh, it's, I suppose, like, it's one thing to have the cattle. It's another thing to do the job. Yep. Um Yeah, look, he, he even sort of tried to cross. I be too on Saturday post race a couple of times, and I like I was sort of like waiting for the stewards to intervene. Now I thought Chris Waller <laughs> had a patent on that, um, but he did get emotional, James. It's um, it's a very articulate man, James Cummings. I'd I'd love to have a dinner with him one night and just um, work yeah. on the thesaurus. It was yeah. um, it was interesting over the autumn. I'd, down here, anyway, I'm not sure about New South Wales. He's uh, he's stable up there in New South Wales, but all the horses he was um, he was running around here in winter were just all going no good. I don't reckon he had a. Oh, I think he might have had one winter down here for three months, and then the, the, the cattle's back, springs back, and here he is just putting his left, right, and centre. I suspect uh, we might be seeing the the big boy, the king of the crop overseas next year, and I'm talking about Animo. Uh, winner of the Might and Power, Caulfield Stakes. Look, the data is fascinating because it gives a whole new light to what happened there on Saturday. As soon as the race panned out, you know, I looked up, Animo's off the bit, being scrubbed along, looked down, suddenly Betfair's trading $1.20, looked back up and Animo's there again. Fascinating watch. Very slow tempo, 5.3 lengths slow to the 600. The figure hasn't cracked 10, so it's a plain overall figure. What did we actually learn? Was it just an optical illusion with Animo there on the turn into the straight? Did Zaki go too slow up front? Well, I think certainly Zaki has to go quicker in a cop's plate, and I don't think we'll see Alligator Blood. I hope not anyway, because he clearly doesn't get the 2,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this was their chance to beat Animo. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 
and the market was very strong. Uh, Zaki, yes, needs to go qu- quicker. Um, my sort of take that's not that much of a hot take because you want to have an opinion, but <laughs> it's just race shape that dictates, race shape and pattern and setup that dictates, well, and obviously how far it is, and it dictates who wins out of um, Thunderstruck, Zaki and Alligator Blood. Still think Brightside's probably a length off them, even though he closed very, very well. But I just can't see him giving any of these horses a start running past them. And I think another run at 2000, Animo Grand Final, uh, I, th- I think he'll only go, he'll only improve. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the other horses behind, whether, whether it's Zaki or Thunderstruck, will need to spike to beat him in that race in the Cox Plate. And I question marks whether they can. Uh, love the little sectionals on the way home for even Mwanga, who ran last. Yeah, but, um, thank you, Mark. Yeah, it's a nice little hit and run that because it's clearly not going to be suited the way the race panned out. Curls, what, what are you making of this race? Um, I'm making it as a leader. Uh, I still I still think Zaki has a, a bigger performance in him. Um I don't think he's been suited at all this preparation and has been that sort of half run below and peaks for Cox Plate, looking at his preparation. Um, If you reverse the barrier draws, I think it wins on Saturday. Um, And if it draws to lead in a Cox Plate, it will certainly give them something to catch. I, I don't see... Any reason why you'd want to be OSL and completely gassing this horse with a grand final of the Cox Plate on the horizon? So I can, while if I was if I was wanting it ridden to win in the last two starts, I would have wanted Jamie to go faster. Um, but I also think that this is like a, a grand final preparation that culminates on Cox Plate Day, where if it does, where it will be leading. Um, and we'll be running along at a better tempo than this. Is than what it has been? Jamie Carr the right jockey for this horse? Because Jamie's not really the kind of jockey to like. I just can't picture a world where she leads in a cox blade, goes quick, takes off when she needs to. Like, great like question. Just, great question. A, a more a momentum balance hands jockey rather than. So so we'll get we'll, so so Jay Carr off for Tim Clark who. Alligator, who's been with Alligator Blood. Let's say Nash. Nash. Yeah, Nash. Yeah, Nash is the perfect jockey for this one. Bang. Great, great point. Take off at the 800. We're going to build. Great, great point. Yeah, and so out of that race, yeah, fucking Animo. Like, Animo has just fed the Caulfield narrative for Sydney horses by wobbling on the corner. Uh, That annoyed me. (laughs) 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 He's a line, you know, obviously a line finder. Um, You know, Zaki was, as I said, I think will run a a big race in a Cox Plate draw to lead. Um, All the Thunderstruck's got to be a minor hope for the, you know, top three, four. Um, Can't believe I'm saying this out loud. I thought uh, Benno was terrific going forward to a Caulfield Cup. uh, you know, the non-conformist Mwanga will find their races. Probably Mwanga looks a little bit more dour as he's got older, but in saying that, he still reeled off the fastest uh, uh, last 200 of the race and 100 of the race and last fastest last 100 of the meeting. It was a almost as good a hidden run for last as you'll see. So there'll be plenty. We talk about, you know, like, you know, ho-hum sort of racing. I thought the racing on Saturday was great. The figures are dictated to by the early tempo and, and all of these horses out of that race will find, you know, the right races next start and well, go close to winning. Let, and Animo is possibly still the best horse in Australia. And, and it's a chance to win overseas in a, in a good race, first one of those we've had for a while because I still think he's improving from preparation to preparation. Yeah. And I hope that they don't run alligator blood. Like, it's such a brave, brave horse. It doesn't need to go to 2,000 in a cox blade. It's just... Stupid. I agree. You'd so many, so many, you know. Yeah, well, why can't he run in the in the in the pop-up race in Melbourne for five million, whatever, in, in four the months? Time. It's gonna, yeah. yeah, it's gonna come around in pretty quick and you know, it, mm. there's your five million dollar race. You don't have to bust him over two thousand. Yep. 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 Tend to agree. All right, yeah. let's quickly touch on a few of these other races there. The Scalacci stakes. Well, look, Pulali was the best horse. 
probably wasn't suited, still won anyway. Um, good overall figure. He's he's on track mm. for whatever his grand final is. Yeah, speak, yeah. Just just quickly on the Scalacci stakes, just to um, again highlight Jack's level of um, of knowledge on racing and why he had to turn bookmaker. Uh, he called this the Shellacky stakes. Dear me. Disgusting. I thought it was Galachi. Um, Galachi. Not one of my horses. I got on him late in his career. Maybe in the Scalacci stage when he went. That's why they named the race after him because he, he won it about seven or eight this on the Caulfield Cup day uh, when when he was thought to be past his best at about five to one. He was, he was well past his best. But, yeah, an unbelievable horse. One of the best sprinters in the last four years. But. Uh, I'm not much better here. This this was one of the worst bets I've had in recent memory, Queen of the Ball. Like, what a disgusting bet this was. Terrible off the uh, a, a three-year-old, like th- a three-year-old, no good beat Troach English Riviera leading on the highway, and I just got. It was a good number, low weight, was going to get in the map, and I just got sucked into. This was just a horrible bet. Awful and bet. Uh, also, Blake Shin off. Um, if you've ever seen a jockey come back from Hong Kong, I believe he's going to have another crack at Hong Kong, but just needed a little bit of a breather, just given the circumstances up there. He is absolutely lapping the other Victorian-based jockeys at the moment. Oh, and isn't he what? He is, and he's hungry as yep. well. Like, like You were talking earlier about how I go to so many meetings. I'm bumped into Blake Shin. Uh, it feels like he's at Coles. Like, yeah. I'm seeing him. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but, he, he'd be the, a good... Yeah, go. Sorry, mate. He'd be the writer for Zaki. In form, yep. great hands in the front. Yeah, Pal are out yesterday on a heavy ten. Like I've he's, he's everywhere, Blake. And yeah, yeah he's He's the only bloke in Victoria that goes to more meetings than Jackson Oldham is Blake Shin. I tell you what, Peter, I was a little bit scathing on the preview show about Shelby sixty six lining up here. And I did say that it's only his eighth run for the prep and he'd be nearly right to go after this run. Fastest last hundred of the meeting of, of the race, uh, Shelby here. A sneaky little little effort. And he should be nearly he should be nearly fit now, shouldn't he? Oh, maybe a late Everest stop. You know, we're going to be a heavy sure. eight. Get him up here. Get him <laughs> up here. Uh, and just, just just one more thing. I've got to I've got to run, but just one more thing before I go. To think that Jack has it. What we do, like Pete anchored Paulley in all his all ups. It was a massive bet for captains picks. And Jackson's, you know, gone against gone against Pete. We do what we we want. No one's telling us what to do. And if we don't Great win, point. Yeah, our Pete. subscribers are going to leave us. Yeah, well, like like Pete's picking all of us. We go like we we don't. Yeah, it's a complete yeah. Yeah, I almost went uh, went twice here on Saturday. I had a real good look at Cardinal Gem. Um, you guys would have would have seen like the data. Loved him. I, I didn't know about the map. And I, I did ask Rob about Old Flame. I was like, what sort of type is this? Because I just get, you know, I've grown up over the last 15 years seeing the Snowdens take horses to Melbourne and they perform well. I just don't think they're going anywhere near as what their, their peak has been over the previous five years, even 10 years. Um, so I almost pulled the trigger then. But at the same time, you know, I was happy to take on Animo and Golden Mile at the price. And, you know, you know, we, we, we get one up over each other all the time, like, you know, Jackson's going to beat me a lot of the time. I'll beat him sometimes, but we're always beat Dicko. That's the main thing. You know, as long as we do that. Long term, we, long, long term we will. And we will. I was trying to influence Curls, you know. Fun fact, he's going to come good, mate. Nah, well, Curls had the shits, Rob. He's fucking lost his brain with uh, 31 units of second places on Saturday. <laughs> no, it's torture, isn't it? And how many like, – I let, I let a couple of winners go as well. We'll get to Eagle Farm later. But, yeah. um, right, well, I'm, I'm going to look forward to listen to it. Thanks, Robert. Bye. We'll put the afternoon aside. You'll need it. This is going to go for about eight hours, this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what we saw, though, with Pulele as well, Peter, is uh, just a, like a, just another complete masterclass from J-Mac. Yep. Um, I mean, how does Golden Mile win a guineas off that um, run the other day in the Golden Rose? It's just amazing. It's just, like he, he was centimetre perfect. On Pulele, he was centimetre perfect golden mile. He was centimetre perfect animo. Yep. 
He's well just said. he's he's as good as we'll ever see. Yeah. Uh, the Herbert Power was race five. Uh, this will be the last race we touch on. Very slow tempo. Eight point three length slow to the six hundred. Atrocious overall winning figure. Saracen Knight has basically gapped them late, but was pretty much entitled to. It was uh, given a perfect ride there from Jamie Carr. Um, I thought the run of Persan outside the lead was okay. Um, and I think, Jackson, you hinted to the fact that you wanted to find him as well, but you couldn't quite pull the trigger. Um, again, probably a good barrier trial for him. Yeah, 100%. Well, I actually – well, I'll I'll start by saying I was top odds for 48 hours on the fair this winter, so too <laughs> strong for me. Um, <laughs> just another complete strip. Oh. But, oh, and it's just so tilting, people thinking I've had a great, you know, I've – on this raw and I've filled up where I've, I've done my ass. Anyway, um, yeah, Persan, I thought it was going to be a barrier trial. I thought they'd go back. I was surprised they went forward from the wide gate OSL. Uh, the run I thought was full of merit, but then seeing how slow they went, uh, possibly not. I don't think there's heaps to take out of this race. This is a pretty bad race. Uh, Grand Promenade um, had, had no luck and he's on track for something, but over further, but I don't know what. Like he's he's not on track for a Melbourne Cup, but if he goes to another another staying race, that's not probably with the Geelong Cup or something, won't he? Yeah, but oh, is a race? Is it the Queen Elizabeth? Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the last day of the carnival, maybe or Derby Day. Um, yeah, he's on track for that or something. But yeah, pretty bad race. And I just. I would like to touch on uh, the two-year-old, the first race. Sure. Um, they've they've rated huge for what I was expecting. Usually this two-year-old race rates clearly the slowest of the day and it's rated in the top, what's that, quick math, five, in the, in the top five. Yep. Um, a minus 8.6 overall, a, a minus 5.4 versus the class and and, and the winner, King, King's Gambit, did it untouched. So uh, obviously hard to line up with early season two-year-old, but looks like this could be completely one out of the box. Absolutely. Um, I sort of gave the Snowden team a bit of a clip while I think the horse is just way too good regardless. You have a look at some of the owners there as well. Um, every second word is bloodstock. There's a few <laughs> big boys in that uh, horse, Colt by I Am Invincible out of sultry feeling. They would have felt a little bit sultry there after that horse just obliterated them by five lengths. Um, yeah, you don't see two-year-olds break class benchmarks by that far on debut. Um, yeah. although and to, and to do it so easily as well. Yeah. Must be said, though, uh, it must have been a day for two-year-olds. The first two across the line there in the initial plate at Ascot also broke the class and adjusted all-average benchmark um, on punning form starter there at Ascot. You had Brave Halo and uh, was it Free at Will? Trying to remember what a two-year-old is called. Live to tell, sorry. Live to tell. So, yeah, interesting day for two-year-olds around the country. Um, Jackson, we could go through the other five or the other four races that we haven't talked about. Was there anything else that stood out briefly in any of those? Uh, one black booker out of race three, Sweetened. Uh, we were on at a bigger price, obviously. Uh, just completely unsuited, back and wide in those worst lanes. The market told you that this horse has ability 14s into into 750, the 16th fastest last 200 metres uh, off a pretty good tempo. One to follow. Okay. Curls, we head up to Eagle Farm. Um, best performance on the card was Palmier, winner of race 9,000 metre dash there. Um, otherwise, relatively yeah. competitive figures. But what did you find on the day? Um. I found complete and utter frustration, Peter. Um, and also that track, uh, oh, that Miss Kutar, the winner, the two-year-old winner of the first race, um, you can probably tack on three lengths to its class benchmark figure because the track did get faster and faster and faster as the day went on. Oh, I've got no doubt about that. Um, La Palmier running um, 57.04 adjusted um, is pretty quick for a 1,000 metres. Um what did I find for the rest of the day? Yeah, as the track sort of um, dried out, uh, particularly late in the day, it sort of seemed that sort of where they were on the home turn in those last few races is where they finished, uh, exacerbated by me and us uh, on the service being on rejoiced in the last uh, at $21 and above. 
didn't think Zuma California could sort of get the lead as easy as it did. It just ambled to the front from gate 14 and dictated and Rejoice got within 0.2 Oof. of a length um, and just missed. That was sort of set me off a little bit, to be honest. I'd lost for the day um, so many seconds. Um, we backed the two-year-old horse in race two called Mashani Maverick, who would have been a dollar twenty at the 300 when James Orman hadn't moved on it, got around the, the heels of the horse in front of him and just ambled up to them like it was going to piss in and didn't let go. Uh, just frustrations all around. Linthorpe Lad travelled like the winner. We are on at $6, travelled like the winner, and somehow the leader kept finding. What else ran second that I backed? Oh, something at some dingo at Gold Coast. We took $8. It started 380 led and ran second. Um. Yeah, it's just a bit of a freak of a day. Probably off the back of that, probably sort of got a bit gun shy on a couple of bets that I maybe should have had. But anyway, covered three meetings um, simultaneously, and it was frustrating. Just another day um, in paradise. Just another day in Queensland. It's great. Um, Covering three meetings at the same time for a cup of co- for the same price of the cup of coffee to get the stuff. It's amazing um, yeah. value. Anyway, uh, anyway, we'll bounce back, Peter. We always do. Um, could have been a complete fill up, but for running second, so you just got to you know. Suppose you've got to ask yourself, how do you sleep at night um, after a day like that? And I always find laying down in my bed and closing my eyes. Seem to do the trick, um, has worked for me for the last 45 years and I'll probably continue to do it. I'm glad to hear that. I'll just get up and bed again today and the next day and the next day and probably the next day after that and we'll continue that repetition until they put me in the ground. <laughs> All right. That got a little bit morbid there late. Um, quickly on <laughs> Ascot opening day, just so good to be back. Um the number of horses that improved out of sight after seemingly failing at Belmont without any issue, the track turned to glue there in the later stages of, of that season, uh, back on a firm, perfect Ascot race course, it, plenty to take out of it. We saw the three-year-olds dominate, Snowdome figure of the day, three wide, no cover, and still was way too good. Carly's come and a big girl, um, fired across from wide, sat outside the leader and completely obliterated a field. Bless her cotton socks. Um, but then you also had horses like Bustler, who returns really well for slow tempo and, and looked good through the line. So the three-year-olds are certainly there to party come the bigger races later in the year. Treasure Star, very, very plain there in the last. Couldn't get past Jadavi. Got a message from uh, longer-term listeners would remember Luke Dayton, who I haven't uh, had the pleasure with of jumping on board and talking some horse racing in WA in quite a while because he's, uh, you know, done the sensible thing and had children and, basically making his life go forward as opposed to just betting every single day. But uh, Date sent me a message straight after the race and said, Team Williams to Durant makes a big difference. And I was like, God, he's just too too sharp for me, too sharp for me. So Treasured Star will probably still win the railway, but wait for it on grand final day. I think that would be my bit of advice. But anyway, Ascot, great to have it back. Curls, any questions? Questions? Oh, my gosh, Peter, have we got some questions this week? Um, We all want to split this – podcast up in a couple of different episodes, um, which sounds like a lot of work, so don't bother doing that. No, I won't. That's why they, they invented the, you know, you touch the screen with your finger and you can slide the sort of cursor along <laughs> where you want to listen from. <laughs> oh, God. Where to start? Uh, well, we've touched on this one from Adam Hutchings. Um I'll ask it anyway. Has the collective intelligence shown by Racing Twitter proven why 95% lose on the punt? We knew I'll that t- anyway. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that as comment, but yes, it was Adam I was referencing. No, that was a, a question mark at the end of it. Oh, okay. Uh, um, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, ben Vernon called me old and then asked how well is Blake Shin riding and how good is it to see the re-emergence of him? Very um, good. Very good. Well better, done. Better than everyone else in Victoria. You know, there's no Zach Curtin there in Melbourne. There's not even Harry Bentley. It's, uh, yeah. 
Uh, how do you sleep at night was one question that I think we've answered. Well, I answered it. This is not a question, but it's a great tweet. Someone called Jackson a balding flog. I did. I, I did see that. That was particularly elite commentary. I thought um, we're giving away like a hundred dollars here to the best question, and no one's asked questions. They just abused us. Um, oh well. Um, so they they no. I've like I've scrolled through a lot of tweets here, and I can't find anything. Well, no wonder Elon Musk is buying it. Oh, Tom Smith. Tom Smith asked a genuine question. Going forward or in future, is finding horses that run the 96th fastest last 200 of the meeting at their last start, then stepping up to two, then stepping up 200 metres in distance, a good betting strategy? Or did Golden Mile just say, fuck the data? It's uh, a yeah. great question, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah this, this was particularly a good question. I will answer this and say... Um, you just ha- you have to have a look, and if I came back on board, then then yes, it's a good strategy. If not, probably no. It also just keep, keeps that trend going of the three-year-olds, for the most part, being no good this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, he's, he, actually, this is probably the best question from Danny Glider, D Glider 38. I remember you fellas a little while ago ripping into the post-race owner celebration videos and saying how cringe they were. Yes, we did. My question is, how was what Dicko did any different? Personally, didn't mind it. Just here for the lols. Looking forward to the preview show. Well, what Dicko did isn't any different. It was as cringy as any other owner video watching a race, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't watch them anyway. I, I, like I said before, I'm not on social media. I couldn't care less if people win. Um, if anyone's ever seen me win a race, it's usually just like, if anything, I might breathe in and then breathe out, and that's my winning celebration. You know, to each their own. Yeah, and it, like I'm different to you, Peter. Like my winning celebrations is um, <laughs> like make the kids get me in and – lift my throne in the air and throw me around <laughs> and call me Jesus. Um, you know, it's just small things like that. I, I don't get on videos and carry on or do preview shows or tell people that I'm the son of God on Twitter or anything like that at all. That's, that's... Yeah, everyone celebrates differently. Um, how about you, Jackson? You're just counting, I suppose, after they cross the line. How much have I won? How much have I lost? It's either one or the other. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm usually um, I'm usually betting in run t- to the post, so there's usually not much um, emotion until they cross the, cross the line. And then I can be a bit of a fuckhead on occasion and mm-hmm. carry on a bit. But could, you, could you say that you could be a flog? Would you say your behaviour sometimes would be I'm, flog behaviour? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't rule that out, no. Mm. Oh, massive, massive, mate. No, it's sort of like going back to that tweet where you were called a yeah. balding flog and obviously this is a podcast, not a video. So when I first read that tweet, I thought, well, he's half right. <laughs> maybe he's seen you celebrate a win. Maybe. Maybe he catches me on track. I'm just yeah. not sure who it is. Could be, could be. Anyway, so that, I thought that was the best question. Um, there wasn't many questions, as I said. So hopefully next week we get a few more questions because um, we like answering them. Okay, uh, week ahead. Uh, I don't know, Ascot. Uh, we've got thousand guineas in Melbourne Caulfield Cup. You know, that's just a, a huge week, isn't it? What enormous week with uh, eight to fifteen mil predicted Wednesday afternoon to evening, and then thirty to forty-five on Thursday. So we'll can't see. wait for that. Maybe what's the what, what? Did you say that's the, how much rain you're going to get? Yep. Oh, La Nina. Yeah, well, we've got a big day. We've got a big weekend in Queensland while all that's going on. Why? What's, um, what's happening up there? Oh, well, Saturday's a big day. Um, Gold Coast, Blackhall, Eagle Farm, Ewan, Innisfail, Mitchell, Rockhampton, Stanthorpe, Wondai, and then Toowoomba on Saturday night. Um, the highlight at Eagle Farm will be the return of strategic position for Mailbag Bloodstock in the Class 3000. Um, 
and the highlight of the day is the oh we've got a three year old plate over fourteen hundred as well on the day that'll be good. So yeah, things are things are heating up down south, and we're just ticking along quietly here in Queensland. Um, the midweek meetings at Ipswich, which I'm I would rather look forward to a vasectomy than betting at Ipswich at the moment, the way I've been going there. But you so, might get both on the same day. Um, and meanwhile, in Sydney, Rob is going to be fired off Mounting Yard Mail from Warwick Farm on Wednesday. And then on Saturday, it's a day for made-up races. The Big Dance Wild Card. The Sydney Stakes, a race named after a mountain. And a, a race named after a bigger mountain. A silver bird. And then also the Craven Plate and St. Ledger, which will be relegated and no one will talk about because no one cares for those historical races. When And why bother when you've got a billion dollars going for the winner, i.e. Nature Strip, that Dicko will probably lay because he's Dicko. Look forward to that yeah, in more in Sydney. I look forward to Rob finding Nature Strip out of the yard because I saw a photo of Nature Strip on Waller's Twitter account on the weekend and he is in, like, absolute peak condition. Rob thinks it's the best type and it's the best horse in Australia. Uh, we're going for the, what is it, the sixth edition of the Everest and it will be the fourth winner because there's only been four horses to win it and surely nothing's beating Nature Strip. I'm just putting the slows in it now so then people can reflect back on this and say, you know, how dodgy it was and then Dicko went up best odds Nature Strip and then, you know, how do we know that the horse is going to lose? It's just like, oh, how good are these guys or how bad yeah. are they? I don't know. Oh, look, it's, um, he's the best horse in Australia and the best sprinter in the world, I should say. Um, and he'll win again. Prove we'll us talk wrong. about that later on. Yeah, exactly. Prove us wrong, Nash and Eduardo. All right, Can't guys, Nash. that's been a, a monster edition of the Deep Dive. If you're still listening, um, well, you're probably one of us three because even Rob's left. That's, that's how <laughs> bad it was. Um, but that's racing in a nutshell, isn't it? It's not very exciting. And until people find something to get angry about and everyone blows up and then forgets about it 48 hours later and they move on to the next big story in racing. What an industry. What a world. What a game. Thanks, guys. Bye for now.